The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Well, we have a wonderful interview, both interviews today, but I want to talk about something that I think you'll all enjoy. 2017 is the 150th anniversary of Laura Ingalls Wilder's birthday. Her beloved Little House series tells the classic coming-of-age story based on Wilder's own family life, and it's a reflection of the pioneer spirit of the time. It's also deeply rooted in the natural world with the plants and the animals and the landscapes that are so integral to all of her stories, and they're practically their own characters. Well, The World of Laura Ingalls Wilder is a new book by New York Times bestselling author Martin McDowell. And this explores the Wilders' deep relationship to the landscape. It follows the wagon trail of the series, starting in the Wisconsin setting of the Little House in the Big Woods, to to the Dakotas, and finally to Missouri. And throughout, she talks about the details about the Wilders' life, inspirations, how to visit the real places today, and even how to learn how to grow plants and vegetables that were featured in the stories. Welcome, Martha McDowell. Thank you, Patricia. Happy to be here. Yeah, great. Yeah, this is really quite um, quite interesting. It's a beautiful book, too. It's a picture book. So you can see um, a lot of the pictures of the, um, the greenery, right, the nature and the flowers and the plants. Absolutely. Plants and places. You know, it's it's wonderful to evoke them with words, but you know, there is that thing about seeing pictures. And so it was wonderful to work with Timber Press. I think they made a really beautiful book. Yeah, they really did. And what's interesting is some are in color, some are sketches, right? Drawings, and some are photographs. That's right. Yes, so I mixed it up. There are certainly some of the illustrations that anyone who's familiar with the books will find familiar, but I put in a lot of historic photos and old botanical prints and even things like newspaper clippings from the time and, you know, song sheets because these were real people. And it's wonderful to kind of compare the fiction that she wrote with her real life. Interesting. The this was based the Little House on the Prairie television series that lasted for years. That was based on this, correct? Right. So the Little House books came out in the 1930s and 40s. They've never been mm-hmm. out of print. Uh, but they had a real boost in the 1970s when the series that so many of us know and love with Michael Landon and Melissa Gilbert 
came on. And similarly, I don't think it's ever been completely off the air. I think you can still find reruns every day if you go through the various cable and satellite channels. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking here as we're talking to see how long it was on for. Um, But yes, it certainly is based on, it's an adaptation of Laura Ingalls Wilder best-selling series of The Little House Books. Um, It was in the 70s. It premiered, yes, it premiered on NBC in September of 1974, and the last one aired on May 10th of 1982. And very much the same spirit. Some different places, like they talk a lot about Mankato in the television series, but that's not actually a place that Laura Ingalls or Wilders ever lived. Interesting. So let's, um, let's talk about... Now, what were some of the things, what made this so unusual and so noteworthy? Was it her interest of nature? Was it that they traveled a lot and moved around? Uh, Was it the family story or was it all of it? It's all of that put together. They lived in a lot of places in America. Mm. And Laura Ingalls, growing up, saw America before it had completely changed. So she saw the great forests of Wisconsin before that part of Wisconsin was converted entirely to agricultural land. You know, partly it was her father was all part of that. Uh, She saw the prairies before the prairies were all broken. And again, so she was that last wave of pioneers. So she kind of documents for us really the original natural world none of us will see again except in, you know, in fragments and parks and things like that. So every place that she wrote about, every place she lived, she was able to describe really vividly. uh, And I will tell you, honestly, when I read these as a child, I really kind of missed that. Uh, So it was wonderful to go back to them as an adult and really learn more about this wonderful country of ours and how these people, these amazing people, went out and settled it. Yeah. Did she have children and did you get to speak to any of them or any of the grandchildren? She did have one daughter who survived. Uh, Laura and Almanzo had two children. They had their daughter, Rose, was their first. And then... They did have a son, but he did not survive more than a couple of days. Uh, Rose, her daughter, never had children. So while she had some adopted grandchildren, um, you know, there's no one left that really remembers Rose, uh, other than a few people in the wilder world that that I was able to talk to who remembered the daughter. Um, I talked to a couple of people in Mansfield, You know, they're in their 90s now in Mansfield, Missouri, who remembered her and remembered her, you know, doing her church work and being involved in town, uh, and that she was by then a famous author, but she didn't get famous Mm -hmm. until much later in life. Interesting. And her daughter then isn't still, her daughter passed. Oh, yes. Her daughter passed, I think, in the 1970s. 
Yeah, interesting. It's um, I'm going back to the book because it's just really beautiful. There's there was a picture here that it's really gorgeous. It's like an angel, and it changes to the American West in the years before and after the Civil War were depicted metaphorically in this 1873 painting, American Progress, where the settlers are moving and the angel is is like traveling above them, trying to protect them. That's right. I mean, in the opening to your, your show. Uh, there's the phrase, turning obstacles into opportunity. Yeah, uh, yeah. These people were doing that. They lived that their whole lives. And mm-hmm. it really wasn't easy. Uh, the fact that they were people of faith, you know, if you look at that, uh, that painting, which, you know, really kind of represents that whole idea of manifest destiny and pushing across, uh, I think that faith and family held them together, uh, and community. You know, they they did settle into an, a town that they helped k- to get going eventually out in the Dakota Territory. Mm-hmm. What's interesting too is um, you in your travels, you drive through a lot of these areas, and then you write about it. You write your own commentary of what it looks like. You know that it has the rectangular shape, or that you crisscross the crease in the rivers. But you talk a lot about these places that Laura wrote about. And I do think that it is—it's really important to go visit if you can. If you can't, that's why I put in so many pictures. You can at least be an armchair traveler, because I will mm. tell you that having grown up on the East Coast and living there now. Going out to the Great Plains, it's a real experience because it's beautiful. It's big. The sky, everything is big. The sky is big. And, you know, we live, many of us live in these kind of big mega regions. And she lived in a place that hasn't changed as much. Uh, Mm. Still very agricultural. There's still a lot of openness. And it really gives you an appreciation of the beauty and the natural resources in the country. Hmm. Talk about what you learned from her in terms of your own gardening horticulture. (laughs) Well, you know, she was more of a vegetable gardener than a flower gardener. I think Hmm. for Laura Ingalls Wilder, the prairie and, you know, the Ozarks where she finally settled, nature was her garden. She loved wildflowers. She often wrote about them. She wrote about picking them for her mother. She wrote about Almanzo bringing her wildflowers. She wrote about the trees that she loved to look at. Uh, And she wrote about looking out the window of her farmhouse, which she never curtained her windows because she said, there I have my moving pictures of nature. So even if you can't get out, you can appreciate the natural world. Uh, but mm. she loved it. In my own garden, I've added plants. She always talked about her blue flag irises that she liked to go pick out by the creeks. Well, I'll tell you that they've adapted very nicely to my little garden, which does not have a creek in it. Uh, mm. I've grown some of the vegetables that she and her family grew. Interesting. You know, everything from And what were they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's in the Little House on the Prairie, the book, um, there's a fellow who comes to visit, a family friend, Mr. Edwards, and he comes sort of heroically kind of crossing the creek, 
uh, through the storm for Christmas dinner, and he brings in his pockets sweet potatoes. And Ma says she is going to save a sweet potato so that she can grow a whole field of them the following year. And I thought, can you do that? And that is exactly what I did. I spent a whole winter growing on sweet potatoes on my windowsill from one individual sweet potato. I planted out a whole, well, mini field uh, in my community garden of sweet potatoes, which wanted to take over everywhere. And we harvested way more than my husband and I could eat. So uh, I got to share them as well. So there you go. It can be done. All right. We're going to continue the conversation after the break with Marta McDowell. She is the author of the book, The World of Laura Ingalls Wilder, The Frontier Landscapes That Inspired the Little House Books. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. We live in perilous times on a beautiful yet fragile planet. As a species, we are not doomed to self-destruct. We can live in peace and in love for one another. We can save this, our only home. We must mature. Open your mind. Soften your heart. Listen for the fate of humanity. Crucial conversations for our survival. With host Lauren N. Nile. Tune in. The Fate of Humanity airs Wednesdays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. are listening to the patricia raskin show if you wish to call into our program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that number again is 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com now back to the patricia raskin show hi everyone and we are back we are talking with marta mcdowell who's the author of The World of Laura Ingalls Wilder, The Frontier Landscapes that Inspired the Little House Books, which then inspired The Little House on the Prairie, 
television series, which aired in the 70s. Welcome back, Marta. Okay. Yeah, let me ask you, before we move on to some of the other things you've done with all of this, I want to ask you what you think is the takeaway for our listeners when you look at Laura Ingalls Wilder's life, which wasn't easy. It was a frontier life. They moved around a lot. What's the lesson that maybe we can learn that would help us in this kind of very frenzied, harried, things change on a dime every single minute, you know, life? What, could, what, what would she, what would she might say? What she might advise us? Well, you know, Wilder always preached the simple things, right? Hold on mm-hmm. to the simple things in life because that is what will make you happy. And one of the things that she really reiterated through her writings, not just the fiction, but she also wrote a lot of sort of lifestyle and farm journalism. She talked about the voices of nature and how important it is mm-hmm. to listen to those voices. Yeah. Uh, you know, certainly as children, but she said specifically, the voices of nature don't speak so plainly to us as we grow older, but that's because we neglect her. And so I think mm-hmm. if we all can kind of get out into nature, even if it's just, you know, stepping out the door and pausing, right? And she, she had this phrase in one of her novels where she has Laura, who is both herself and a character, kind of pause and she says, this is now. You know, it's like living in that particular moment, in that particular place that you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I give some inspirational talks, and I talk about this. You know, we have to be here now, and one of the ways, too, that we can help our mind and help our attitude and energy is just to go out in nature, and that will slow us down and also you know, give us some, um, some positive endorphins, right? I mean, really help us because it can bring us joy to be out in nature. That's right. Fresh air and sunshine. There's nothing like it. Yeah. And watching, just, I would, I would think watching how the little insects and the animals really behave. I mean, if you're a gardener, which you are, you probably watch that. You probably watch the ants and all the little, you know, you watch what's happening in the earth. We don't see that very much. That's Would right. So, even though, you know, as a gardener, you are out there you do have to remind yourself to pause because a lot of times what you do is you go outside and I look around and I go, oh, I need to do that and I need to do that and I need to do that. And if you can just still, you know, be still for a moment, it makes such a difference. And sometimes I'll get into that zone and it's amazing what happens one day, and this was very bizarre, a little bird landed on my head. I guess I was standing there sort of in the days. <laughs> but it was a wonderful Aww. thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and let's talk about the connection to the President's Gardens, because you've written about that. And um, how are they different from any other gardens? Are they the same? Well, you know... Uh, gardening is the same everywhere, and yet it's different. So if you live mm-hmm. in the White House, of course, you have a staff. Um, you know, my staff is, I have a staff of one, and that's me. <laughs> uh, but 
You know, but gardening is the same wherever you are. I will say it was an interesting sequence, and sometimes I think, you know, I look back on life and think, well, it's, it's either lucky or destined that things happened this way. So I had mm. just finished a book about the White House gardens or, and really the history of American gardening as seen through the White House grounds because they've changed so often since they started gardening there in 1800. And so I did, you know, sort of 1800 to the present, which at the time was the end of the Obama administration. And then the next thing I started in on right away was Laura Ingalls Wilder, who lives from 1867, so just after the Civil War, until 1957. So, you know, a 90-year span that was a big chunk of that. And I got to see the country, you know, not from the Washington, D.C., you know, kind of more upper-class gardening perspective, but from the perspective of people who were living off the land and needed to make the land produce in order to keep eating all winter. And, and that was a really interesting juxtaposition, if you will. Interesting. So going back to the President's Gardens and and um, also not just those gardens, but let's talk about children in gardening. Now, certainly presidents who had children, you know, they, I'm sure the kids were out in the gardens a lot. Talk about the relationship between the gardening and the children. So nowadays, I mean, now for me, it's grandchildren. And you think about what your grandchildren are doing, and they do spend a lot of time with keyboards and screens. Now, I watched a lot of television growing up, um, but I also spent a lot of time out, you know, playing around the neighborhood and in little bits of woods and things that were around my suburban town. Um, and so I always try to get my granddaughters outside with me, out working in the garden. And I think that the Laura Ingalls Wilder series is a great way to sort of introduce gardening or going out to some, you know, park or natural site and, you know, just getting out there and appreciating the world in a different way. Mm, So important. And now when you're with your grandchildren, do they garden with you? Do you? Do you work with them in the garden? Yes, I will say their favorite thing is watering. Uh, they're uh, six and seven years old, so you know, getting wet is still really fun. Um, but they like planting, you know, planting certain things. They both like picking flowers. They like harvesting vegetables, uh, probably more than weeding. But who doesn't, right? <laughs> you know, let's talk about a couple of your other books. One is Emily Dickinson's Gardens, and I think there's a new movie out about Emily Dickinson and her life, which is interesting. Yeah. I think that's coming out. Yeah, so talk about that, and then you can talk about Beatrix Potter's gardening life. So we've got a few minutes left. Let's talk about some of the other ways you've explored gardening um, in some of these eras and stages. So Emily Dickinson was first, and now actually I'm going back to Emily Dickinson, and revising that book for a whole new color edition. 
um, that'll be out in a couple of years. But she was the one who kind of clicked with me first as, oh, here's an author that I've always been interested in, uh, but maybe I never totally understood her poems, or certainly not all of them. And when I found out that she gardened and that she was very interested in plants, it sort of opened a whole door for me, right? It's sort of like, um, I don't know, one of those books where you go through a door and you find a whole other world. So it started with Emily Dickinson. I, you know, I wrote that book. I did a lot of research, uh, learned about what she grew. And then I came upon Beatrix Potter one day. There was a new biography of her by a woman named Linda Lear. And I picked that up and I bought a whole collected, you know, set of Beatrix Potter's tales. And that was another adventure. And so I take this little connection between the pen and the trowel, as I like to call it, and I just go on a little journey with these very interesting people and find out about what they wrote, what they gardened, how they lived. Mm. It's been a great experience. How, how do you feel that all of this, all of the writing from the Beatrix Parter's gardening life to Emily Dickinson's gardens to all the president's gardens, now to the world of, you know, Laura Engels Wilder, her frontier garden landscapes, which is what we're talking about today. How has all of that impacted you personally, Marta, and improved your life? Well, I'd say everywhere I go, I'm always looking for places to visit. You know, we, we like to do a lot of different things, but I like to always pair it with, well, is there a garden or a special place or, um, you know, a, a natural area that we can go visit along with that? Uh, my garden has gotten very crowded with plants from all of these different authors, <laughs> as you might imagine. <laughs> Um, and it's just, I think it's made me pay attention in a different way to, uh, you know, people who are creative and how they let nature, meaning, you know, nature growing on its own, mm -hmm. and gardening, meaning that kind of cultivation and trying to uh, grow particular things, how that informs what they do. And then I can mm -hmm. learn from that. Wonderful. How can people find the book? Oh, well, they can find it at any of their local booksellers, uh, you know, your independent bookstore, Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Um, and if they need more information, they can always look at my website, which is martamcdowell.com. And is there a way to contact you on the website if they have a question or comment? Absolutely, and I love to hear from readers. Um, Marta, thank you so much for being on the program. It was really great. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Stand the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this first half hour of the Patricia Raskin Show. Right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.